Hello, welcome everybody to another episode of Mishra's Bubble. My name is Francisco and with me today I have, uh, well, one of my regular co-hosts, I guess. How you doing, Gabe? Yeah, um, doing pretty good. Evan, you know, just never... This is like, we should just rename it from the Babble Boys to just no Evans allowed. You know, it's like a little clubhouse deal. <laughs> Yeah, um, unfortunately, Evan uh, felt sick. He just could not recover in time for our recording. And then due to some other scheduling conflicts, you're just going to have to bear with the two of us without having... I feel like everybody just listens to us because of Evan's soothing voice and they kind of, you know, deal with the two of us. So um, this episode is not going to be for those people. <laughs> I uh, I will laugh less and I, I, I can I can do a little little deeper, you know, a little radio voice there. <laughs> Good job, dude. Good job. It's like it's like Evan is here. It's like it's already like Evan is here. Uh-huh. Yeah. How how was your last weekend, man? Uh, it's okay. I uh actually just started playing the Mana Traders stuff. Uh Ooh. Finally finally did that. It's we're back to modern. I'm really excited about that. I, I like the the modern stuff there. I I, I don't know. I, I'll play like the legacy or some of the other stuff they do. But when it comes to to modern, I, that's when I like actually feel confident. I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can do this. Uh, so I actually didn't know what deck to play, and I'd been meaning to try Doomwake's Yo Rhinos, which is Rhinos in a Yorion deck for a while, and I've been doing that. I have played 15 matches there, and I am 12 and three. So not too shabby. Uh, Rhino's still good. I actually, that deck, that the, the the concept of that deck is mind blowing to me. It's like, you know, everyone talks about uh, the the consistency issues with an eighty card deck. That's the go to conversation anytime anyone says you're in. But the consistency, you won't draw your Aether Vials unless you're Spider Space. Eh. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag whitelisted. That, that's right. Uh, but in this deck, you're like, you won't draw your rhinos because it's 80 cards and it's great and you don't want to draw them. <laughs> Actual upside. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, if you do draw them, you draw one, you're less likely to draw the extra. So it's like actually helpful. You're playing more cascaders. So it's actually a good thing. I don't know. It's just, it's weird how it comes together. And frankly, it's felt pretty dang good. Like uh, one of my losses was just to my opponent burning inquiring away my lands like we're in the hollow one times again mm -hmm. uh which that that is a special kind of feels bad let me let me tell you i i did not miss that but uh, otherwise yeah that deck i i yeah i don't know i'm surprised that deck just cruises to victory it's really funny how the whole concept of that deck was a meme, right? Like, <laughs> it feels like Doom Doom just, like, did it for clout. He just wanted to, to troll and just wanted that clickbait. And he put it together. And then all of a sudden, he just immediately destroys everybody. And he's like, wait, 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 wait a second. Like, <laughs> wait, is this, is this actually real? Like, what's going on here? And it turns out that maybe it is. Maybe it is. Like, just, it turns out that at just... The Rhinos deck is already playing Fury. You now get to add Solitude to the mix. Just just throwing more more random cards into the deck, I guess works out, it looks like. <laughs> it's it's weird that it does, but I, 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 if you really think about it, it kind of makes some sense. Like you've got 
you know, your solitude is kind of virtual, more copies of Fury in a sort of weird way, and, you know, it's a removal pitch spell. You've got Teferi as your more interaction for Force slash Brazen Bar. It's kind of filling both roles. Um, I don't really know what Omnath does in terms of that, but I don't know. The deck just comes together and uh, feels good. Yeah, Omnath is just busted. That's that's what it does. <laughs> that's what it's, it does. It's more random cards, but it's random really good cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just like fantastic random cards. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and it, it kind of makes sense in a way, right? Like historically, one of those decks, um, Achilles heels was Merktide speci- specifically, right? Like they really, really struggled with the resolve Merktide because it's just larger than all the rhinos. And like same thing with hammer, right? Like if you don't have the force of vigor to blow up the hammer, then like those creatures are just larger than your rhinos. So at that point, like your rhinos are either charm blocking or they're just locked and they can't attack. So you can't pressure them. But uh, having access to both uh, Solitude and Teferi, all of a sudden, poof, problem solved. Like, <laughs> those cards are just fantastic against those problems. So it kind of feels like it, it, it fixes those holes very, very nicely. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I know, like, what's wrong with that deck, which is like a... I don't like that concept, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm, uh, I don't have a good format identity right now. So I guess I stole Doom's format identity for the Mana Traders <laughs> qualification stage. I mean, it's been serving him well, so I don't see why it wouldn't serve you well as well, right? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> let's go with that. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, so I actually played in the showcase, the modern showcase challenge which uh, took place this past weekend and we're going to be talking about today uh, very interesting results from that event uh, which is pretty pretty cool uh, i played amulet i really liked my deck list but i played a gig on friday night got back home at like 1 30 went to sleep at 2 a.m or something and then woke up at 7 30 to play the mana traders after playing a three-hour gig it's i would not recommend it <laughs> imagine Uh, yeah like i noticed that i was just i was just lazy you know like i was just tired so i was just lazy and at one point i just got got by the oldest trick in the book like just because i wanted the game to be over so i mean by uh, by (laughs) oldest trick in the book i mean from like this past couple of months since solitude have been legal but I am going off with my... I played Karn Amulet, by the way, which I think the decklist is fantastic, uh, just throwing that out there. I think it's very, very good. Um, But I just... You know, my opponent stepped out, they have, like, four cards in hand or something, and I'm just... I think I'm going to go for it here. Like, I I had the amulet and everything, I'm just like, I'm going to go for it, and then my opponent F6. And I'm just like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll just go for it. And then... As soon as I choose, like, the haste lands and I target my titan, my opponent just, like, quickly press- presses the, 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 the undo yields button and <laughs> pitches the solid. And I'm just like, yep, yeah, this is, I deserve this. <laughs> I totally, totally <laughs> deserve this. Um, so, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Um, I sort of tried to keep playing for a little bit, and I think I ended up... I started 1-0, then I lost two in a row, and then I won four in a row, and then after I lost the third one, I, I was just, I was just awful. Yeah. But 
uploaded the videos to YouTube, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I was playing from my from my brother's computer, and like the audio was all messed up, and like I was just very poorly slept. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> um, I, I tried it though. I tried it. Yeah, I I played the event too, uh, but I actually I think okay. So winning the event is my favorite result. My next favorite result is O2 dropping, mm-hmm. which is what I did. <laughs> I uh, I played Living End, and I don't know. I again without a format identity, I just didn't really know what to do, and I felt more comfortable with that than Rhinos at the moment. And so I was like, okay, like maybe people will have graveyard hate. If they don't, you know, this is a really good deck. Um, it's a powerful deck, and then it just uh, it did not it did not work out in my favor. Sometimes that deck can play that way. I um, I lost to Hammer Time and to I think it was a red black Luris deck, um, and it was a little bit a little bit frustrating. I don't know. It was one of these things like. I think versus Hammer, I just like couldn't draw. You know, like the I I don't remember the games exactly, but I I think there was some situation where it was like, oh, I have like you know a lot of turns to draw this one card, and it just wouldn't happen. And I do remember because the 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 particularly feel bad ones stick with you, and that is against the uh, red black player. I started out with a living end in my hand. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's one of them. I'll pitch it to grief. And then my opponent hits me with a Ragavan, and they exile a Living End. And then I promptly draw Living End. And I'm like, ah, all right, uh, we're done here. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so moving on to speak about the event a little bit more in depth here. So going into the event, I was expecting... Merktide and Hammer to be the you know the the, the number one and number two, uh, probably in the opposite way. I would say like Hammer probably a little bit little bit more than Merktide right now. Uh, the two most played decks, and then on third place, Omnath Piles, and I'm including between Omnath Piles uh, the you know the Four Color Yorion deck, uh, which I I think it's it's very very good, and the new kid on the block, which is what we talked about in the last uh, the, the previous episode, which is the four color control deck, right? Like the one that that Gab Nassif was playing with. I remember uh, like the, the original list was given to me by House, and I think the originator of the deck was Levi, uh, who is one of the Sumers. Um, that's what I heard at least. And sounds right. Yeah, and those I think that. In that order, those were the the decks that I would consider to have been the most played, and my rounds were my rounds were turn around one I played against um, Lotus Breach, so that was something <laughs> that was a way to play against Brian Cook. Um, round two I played against Merktide. Round three I played against the Yorion deck with you know, the four color deck. Next round Merktide. Following round Merktide. And then the following round, it was like the Lurus Red Black deck. And then another Yorion deck. So clearly, I guess my expectations were fairly accurate. Besides yeah. the hammer. <laughs> which I which I did not see in the, the entire event. So it looks it does look like for this kind of longer-ish event, people really, really like to be playing Merktide. Like that deck is just so popular. Well, it's one of these decks that you feel you have a lot of decisions with. It has play in 
basically any matchup, even matchups where you're not favored, you can still win. Um, it's a deck that people just, you know, it, it, it brings them in. Having said that, I think your expectations are pretty pretty accurate. Um, but then we look at the results of the event, and uh, whew, they they are all over the place. I, I I feel like we thought we had a hold on what modern was. You know, we were going uh, just lots of good stuff piles. People trying to go bigger than people, and it's like, oh, going to go back. We're going to play the monkey. Try to get you for doing that. A lot of this kind of thing, and then uh, and then this event happened. <laughs> <laughs> and Belcher won the entire event. Um, and in fact, we can talk about the list here in a second, but I love the fact that the number two deck in the event was Merfolk, which means that the finals of the Modern Showcase in 2021 was Belcher Merfolk. That, that, that just makes me happy. Let that sink in <laughs> for a second. Though, to be fair, I think that uh, the second place finish, which we can probably talk about, is doing the correct thing and playing the minimal amount of merfolks possible. So, there. <laughs> Merfolkless merfolk? Yeah, just like playing little amount of merfolks and just playing good cards instead. So, it, this kind of starts to feel like the philosophy, you know? Like the philosophy that everybody's going towards is just like, yes, you can try to like get cute and like get your synergies going. Or you can just play good cards that are going to win the game and <laughs> and win the game instead. Yeah, winning the game, good good thing to do. Yeah, for sure. L- let's start talking about about Belcher and I think that talking about the deck list is interesting. I'm probably gonna leave you lead on on that. But what I wanted to comment real on real quick before you do that is this kind of makes sense right like we were we've been talking about how everybody's just trying to outgrind each other right like just outvalue and just have more card advantage and just have more expensive cards uh, we have the blue white deck well now we have a three color deck splashing for some other card and now we have four colors splashing for for omnath we have the the rhinos deck well now we're splashing even more colors and going bigger playing yorian and playing omnath and uh you know who doesn't care about that <laughs> Belcher. Belcher, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Belcher, this is a super, super interesting list. Um, so, you know, this has been kind of on the fringe. You, you'd see it here and there. Uh, I know I recognize this player's name, so this is a very good Belcher player. I, I think this player, I'm, I'm sure they're a better Belcher player than myself. I haven't done this in a little while, but I did, I have dabbled. Um, so I, the notable differences I notice with this list is that they are playing four Pact of Negation in the main deck. Not one, not two, the full four. And they are on zero Blood Moons in the main deck. Uh, Notably, they also have the Pyromancer's Ascension in the main deck. Otherwise, it's uh, a lot of our usual suspects of, you know, the the Bolt Lands. We've got Recross the Paths, lots of Rituals, Belcher, you know, get you dead. Um, Just a quick aside, the Pyromancer's Ascension is a alternate way to win the game. It's extremely convoluted. Basically, if you cannot kill your opponent with Belcher, let's say they've surgicaled you or stony silenced you or you know whatever it might be, um, probably the most likely one main deck these days would be like Pithing Needle off of an Urza Saga. Um, you can't remove that main deck, so you go, you stack your whole deck with uh, Recross the Paths, you win your clash, you bottom the turn timber, and you stack your deck in such a way that Pyromancer's Ascension will win you the game. 
So what you do is you play a whole bunch of Metamorphoses, which then turns on the Pyromancer's Ascension. From there, you start making lots and lots of mana, and then you use Balaged Recovery to buy back rituals, uh, thus making eventually infinite mana. And from there, you can kind of do it a couple different ways. So one way you could do it is you could, with infinite mana, use Song Mad Treachery, which is a one of it's one of the MDFCs, which gains control of target creature until end of turn, untaps it, gives it haste. So you can do this with your Pact of the Titan, uh, or the other way, and this, this is probably what I would do, is uh, just use Spike Field Hazard, which deals one damage to any target. So you, infinite mana, just deal you damage, pick it back up, deal you damage. Uh, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> um, Otherwise, uh, this list does a cool thing. I really like this. They have sideboard Kahira. Uh, basically, every deck you want to have a companion if you can. Why not? Uh, in this particular deck, it doesn't do too much main deck. Post board, it's fuel for your Force of Vigor, which is that's fantastic. Uh, Force of Vigor is a really good card for you anyway. Uh, you can also use it with your uh, Valakut Awakening. So you can like put this in your hand and then bottom it to get an extra card. It takes a little while, but kind of a cool thing. And then finally, the nastiest part about having Kahira in your sideboard, the most popular Kahira deck is Blue-White Control, which incentivizes your opponent to go, ooh, I need to mulligan a good hand for Blue-White Control, which is almost certainly not a good hand against Belcher. Yeah, the, the bluff equity here is almost, I would say like, this is the sickest value bluff that you can do in the modern format, right? Like, cause you are just putting your, like your opponent's putting you in a completely different deck. Like you would instantly mulligan any hand that's good against blue white against Belcher. Like th those are completely different different uh, kind of uh, hands that you would want to keep and different game plans that you want to enact against both of those different the extremely different decks. So whether it's your opponent putting you for color control or blue white or even elementals, like whatever hand they keep, it's gonna be awful <laughs> against Belcher. <laughs> so it's like you almost have a free win every single game one, unless you either your deck doesn't function or somehow their hand still works. But with four packs of negation in, in, in the main deck, it just kind of feels like even if they kept a hand with Counterspell or Archmage's Charm or whatever, like you can just completely obliterate that just the same. Unless they, you know, unless they play you, you know, where you go for the iron crack feet thing and, you know, they wait until you do that in order to, to counter you or whatever, but which could happen, I guess. Well, the cool thing about this deck is that it really, really rewards expertise. And this person, Bob, uh, is, is very clearly an expert. Um, so they're going to know, you know, when to go for what they have to go for and when to wait um, I myself, I probably would not have played four Pact of Negation. I think Blood Moon seems quite good right now, but clearly Bob knows what they're doing. So I don't know, though, if that's like a, you know, this is the showcase, so I'm expecting a little bit more homogenized meta sort of situation, or if uh, Pact of Negation is just the way to go. Because uh, this is a great Blood Moon cheese deck as well. You have people like, you know, turn two Blood Mooning you and just losing the game on the spot. Yeah, there's not that many decks that can turn to Blood Moon anymore. Uh, decks like Ponza have all but disappeared, really. So, um, and Blood Moon is 
really good. Like between Ursa Saga decks and between um, you know four color control decks, which really really need a very specific set of. They either need a lot of time so they can find their fetches and fetch for what they want, or they just you know very often just get stuck with the lands that they get, and they only have like three basics in their entire deck. So it's not that likely for them to be able to to get those. And having played the four color deck. Even if you can, it's really awkward. Because if you go and you you want to fetch turn one Prismatic Ending, turn two Island, you're nowhere close to casting that Renner 6 that's sitting in your hands. <laughs> you, you really have to... It really puts you in a situation where you have to choose, okay, like, do I just cast my spells and die to Blood Moon? Or can I afford to, you know, like, play around Blood Moon and just completely time walk myself twice? In order to do so, uh, so it really puts them in 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 a in a really bit of a in a bit of a pickle, you know. It really puts them in a bit of a pickle, and uh, you can definitely get a gain a lot for for that kind of play, you know. Like, particularly in a deck like this, you know, like your Belcher is kind of a hammer deck, uh, not in the you know the hammer as in hammer time, but like if you're just trying to drop the hammer on them and cheese them out either by straight up killing them with a belcher or uh you know cheesing them with a blood moon so yeah i think either plan is probably still good um bob here is still playing blood moon in the sideboard you get some really nice options like fury in the board which is going to take care of any kind of uh creature matchup i'm sure if someone's trying to race you and you need a little more time fury's going to do it or if they have hate pieces you know those pesky thalias fury's going to say no no um, so yeah, I, I think this deck is a real contender. Uh, if you do play it, I have to say it's not for the faint of heart. This is the kind of deck that you need to know you're just going to lose sometimes. Like you have to be willing to accept like the deck didn't do what you wanted it to do. You're going to have to mulligan a bunch sometimes. Um, but it is powerful. It's, it's good. I don't know. Um, there was one trick I wanted to mention, um, for those might be a bit confused like well how does pact of negation work um you still have to untap with your belcher if you didn't have enough mana um it's actually pretty messed up so you can pact of negation and if belcher is going to come down your trigger is going to go on the stack on your following turn for pact of negation and you can just belch them in response to the trigger so it's like kill you with my death on the stack very very um poetic in a way all right, sweet. Um, now moving on to that very interesting-looking uh, Merfolk decklist, which uh, again, like Merfolk, looking almost not like Merfolk anymore, but um, it's kind of cool what what we got going on here. Uh, number one, you're gonna notice no mutables at all, and why is this? Because we're playing full full four copies of Archmage's Charm, full four copies of Archmage's Charm. Uh, which again, like instead of playing Merfolk and like playing silly cards, we're just playing the absolute, the absolute best cards that you can be playing in Mono Blue. So we have Archmage's Charm, we have uh, of course your your Aether Vial. This is still very very much an Aether Vial deck, and we have just a couple of um, silly, you know, Benthic Biomancer, Harbinger of the Tiles kind of deck. Then we have our Lords, obviously. Two copies, only two copies of Lord of Atlantis and four copies of Master of the Pearl Trident. And then you have your interactive spells in Merfolk Trickster and Tithe Shaper. We're not playing Spreading Seas anymore, we're playing Tithe Shaper instead. 
Um, this one's pretty pretty cool. Um, it just destroys Ursa Saga just the same that a Spreading Seas would do. So in that sense, you're not really leaving any equity on, on the table. But instead of drawing a card, it puts a 2-2 into play. And since you're very, very likely drawing another 2-2 if you were to be playing Spreading Seas, um, it's probably better to just make sure that that 2-2 is in play instead of in your hand for the next turn, you know, so you can start beating down. So I really like the way that this, this uh, list is kind of like swaying, you know, like it, it's trying to... It's still doing the Merfolk thing, and shout out to the four copies of Subtlety. Maybe you were right, Spider. Maybe this card is good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get to it. I was just, I have my cursor on Subtlety, and I'm just like, all right, he's going to say it. He has to say it now. <laughs> no, um, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, everybody's just trying to do stuff for free. And you're playing mono blue, so you're kind of stuck with with this subtlety. But you can make up uh, for the card disadvantage with uh, Svelun of Sea and Sky, which is like the new legendary Merfolk that we had <clears throat> in MH2, which uh, draws cards whenever it attacks. And we can also again um, undo the card disadvantage with Archmage Charm. We can just draw two, which is which is pretty sweet. Uh, we also playing four copies of Glass Pool Mimic. Uh, which is pretty neat because it's a land that taps for the color that you want in for Archmage's Charm, but at the same time it can copy one of your other dudes. Uh, you can vial it in as a trick. You know it can be extra copies of subtleties if you want, uh, extra copies of Silver Silvergill added, etc. So um, this honestly, it I look at this and this just feels like the best Merfolk list I've seen in years, probably. You know it's interesting. Um... I also want to give a quick shout out to Glass Bull because I, I love that card. That card is so cool. But I think the most interesting thing to me about this list is, you know, you're right. Yeah, they, they made the concessions in the mana base. They said, I want to play Archmage's Charm. Probably a good decision. But it's a little surprising because Cavern of Souls is a fantastic card. It, it It's really a good card for this deck. And there are a lot of counterspell decks in the meta. So not running Cavern seems like it would come with a real cost. But clearly they know what they're doing. Uh, I, I think in a weird sort of way, this deck is doing a similar thing to Belcher in the sense of it's just trying to get underneath the rest of the format as we're all just, you know, trying to go higher and higher on the va value train. The two best decks in this tournament said, nope, I'm just going to get under you and kill you before you do it. So really, really interesting stuff. Um, this deck's cool. I don't know. You know, clearly both of these decks. I, I think these people must be experts in their in their uh, respective archetypes. Yeah, a um, couple of interesting notes in the sideboard. We have two forces, uh, which makes sense. Two copies of Miscast. This is a card that at the beginning I kind of thought, oh, okay, like this could potentially see modern play, and then ended ended up never ever showing up. Um, but you know, it's basically a mana leak for instant and sorcery spells for a single blue mana. That's kind of legit. It, it's it's kind of a cool effect. What do you think they're they're wanting that for? Like, is there a particular matchup where they're like, man, I, I really want miscast and and not you know more copies of mystical dispute or spell pierce or flusterstorm? There's a lot of options. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how and when this is better than I mean, the obvious comparison is is flusterstorm, right? But flusterstorm wins counter works uh, counter works a lot better. Um, so I, I, that's what I would consider it, but I guess that you're not really getting into too many counter wars with this deck, because you just don't have that much counter magic. 
Well, post-board, you probably do. I mean, if you have your Archmage's Charm and you board in Force of Negation, Miscast, and Mystical Dispute, it's a, it's a decent amount of counter magic. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, that's not the fight that you're playing against the... I, I would honestly be surprised if against control decks you would do that. Like, this seems like a cyborg... Like, this counter magic look more like against stuff like Tron and stuff like, well, Belcher, what they ended up <laughs> playing in yeah. the finals. Uh, like, more of like a combo kind of cyborg. Because, like, I would imagine that against control, that's not the fight that you want to play. You just want to drop an Aether Vial and just kind of go with your instant speed plan and just start to, you know roll your opponent over before they can recover yeah yeah i'm not sure either um but it makes my heart happy to see an aether file deck in the in the finals yeah for sure um and wrapping things up four copies of thieving skydiver <laughs> this is the one in a blue uh two one with kicker x x can't be zero that when it enters the battlefield if it was kicked it steals an artifact um which is kind of hilarious. Like, I wonder why we're playing full four copies of this. I mean, I'm assuming Hammer. And you're just, like, trying to steal their Hammer, but... Three mana at sorcery speed? Because, like, it's not like you can vile the scene and pay the, pay the kicker, right? Right. Well, I mean, you know, six mana, steal your Belcher. <laughs> like, in the past, we've seen this kind of deck playing Hercules Recall, right? I'm I'm kind of struggling to see where this could be better than Hercules. Hercules is okay against Hammer. Um, I don't know. I mean, the fact that this flies is relevant. It's still a Merfolk. You still get to pressure them. I think this card's a really cool card. I don't know how often you get to like steal something that like you know. Are you just stealing the Hammer? Are you stealing the equipped thing? I know if I was playing this deck, I'd probably be pretty happy if I got to steal like something like an Esper Sentinel, and if it was an equipped Esper Sentinel, I'm I'm just loving life. Yeah, that's a good point. Esper Sentinel is a big deal. Um, though I would wonder if your Hammer opponent is going to keep Esper Sentinel against a deck that is 34 creatures. <laughs> 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 then at that point, you probably have to wonder whether your opponent knows that they can cyber it out. Um, anyway, cool deck list. Um, definitely exciting to see, to see Merfolk just appear like it feels like it's the first time that we see merfolk in a year i remember nikachu like top eight in a challenge like eight months ago or something like that like a really really long time ago and i think that was the last time that we saw a merfolk deck i believe nikachu actually top 32'd the challenge i want to say last week i know it was whatever the week that i like played taxes again and then he was also in there top 32 with his merfolk boys okay. the fishies all right, uh, but but yeah, this this list is, is is cool. I like it. Anyway, coming up next, we have blue white control. Nothing really interesting here besides the addition of a single copy of cryptic command. When I ask Wafo about because Wafo has been streaming, so I ask him about cryptic command, and he said it makes me feel young again. <laughs> that was his. That was literally his justification for playing cryptic. And I loved it. Okay, that's that's just fantastic. I love it. <laughs> don't don't question Waffle. He just he's just playing with the cards that he loves, man, and he's just winning with them. You you gotta love it. Um, but yeah, this is pretty much the deck that we have kind of uh, grown accustomed to, and it 
it still remains, even though the four color deck, we will definitely touch on a little bit uh, later, the four color control deck has really established itself as a, a very, very uh, real uh, portion of the metagame. It still feels like it's not a, an immediate, you know, replacement. It's not like it's a strictly better version of Blue White. Like Blue White is still uh, attacking from a slightly different angle. That, uh, like for example, I assume that if you are playing against Belcher, you would much, much, much rather be playing the the, the Blue White control deck as opposed to the four color control deck, right? So. Uh, that is the kind of angle that it, that's a little bit different that this deck can attack from and that it can be very, very good in certain contexts. And we see it here with QB Turtle getting into, into third place, which is pretty pretty sweet. Uh, you love to see straight up blue-white. Um, coming in fourth place, we got um, new uh, Titan Talk co-host, Pont Den Wine, uh, with um, one of the most beautiful decks to ever exist in the modern format to ever grace the modern format with it, with its existence we're of course talking about karn amulet the uh, this is uh, very similar to the decklist that i played uh, with the difference that uh, punt was playing two cavernous souls in the main deck and two cavernous souls in the sideboard the full playset uh, in the 75 uh, Cavernous Souls, absolutely, absolutely fantastic right now. Uh, we talked about the popularity of Merktide. Uh, Cavern is incredibly important in that matchup specifically. We just talked about the, the blue-white deck. There's also a four-color control deck. Uh, even the, the Yorion decks, some some of those deck lists are playing up to four copies of Counterspell in the, between main deck and sideboard. So Cavernous Souls, very, very important right now. Really... Um, allows you to completely uh, obliterate what your opponent's best plan against you is. Because even though Solitude is a fantastic game plan against you, don't get me wrong, but they can only Solitude you so many times before you take over, right? Like, Counterspell is the trade that the control player really is happy about. They will Solitude your Titan, but that is at least, uh, it's not even a two for one in your con in your uh, in against you, but it's also like the Titan got two lands, which are arguably two more cards. So it's like if one for a third, I guess. <laughs> two for one third. Uh, I, it's, it's not a good exchange, let me tell you. It's not a good exchange. Uh, so. So yeah, so having access to a bunch of uh, count, uh, of Cavern of Souls really makes it so your Titans are always going to be trading up. Always, always going to be trading up. And that is how you win uh, the vast majority of those matchups. So four copies of Cavern of Souls, I, I love it. it. I was playing three in my uh, in my own deck list, but uh, it was the 16th cyber card that I couldn't find the room for, the fourth copy of Cavern of Souls. Like, it, it really is that important right now. Uh, but yeah, the, the rest of the cyborg is, you know, like a couple of copies of Endurances, and it's important to know that he's playing four copies of Karn, the Great Creator. I was playing three copies in the main deck and one in the sideboard. I think Karn is fantastic right now. I think Karn lines up really, really well, and it's like your literal only answer against Belcher. Like, the only way that you can beat <laughs> Belcher is if you if you Karn them on, like, before they drop the Belcher, or I guess before they can activate the Belcher. So, um, because of that, I think that Karn is the way to go. Karn lines up super well against uh, the... Um, 
against the control decks. Now that they're not really playing Force of Negation anymore, it lines up super well against those. It lines up super, super well against uh, Hammer as well. It's fantastic against the uh, the Lurus decks, allowing you to go get Tormod Script. Tormod Script, of course, is very important at preventing your opponent from unholy hitting your primeval titan. So uh, very often your Karn will come down, it will minus for a Tormod Script, and sure, your Karn will die, but you don't care, because next turn you're playing a titan, and that Tormod Script means that that titan is just going to be... just going to be bashing some heads. Like, there's nothing that your opponent can do about that, so... I think that uh, Karn is just really, really good right now, and uh, it is what I—it is the version of Amulet that I would recommend uh, currently. You don't seem like you have too much to say about Amulet. It seems like I—I I, I really took <laughs> over the floor right here. So let's move on to uh, well, I guess that here it is—the four color control deck. So this deck uh, has really established itself, as I was saying, as one of the—I would say—one of the top five decks in the format. Again, it's not necessarily strictly better than blue-white, it's just a little bit more grindy, a little bit more value-oriented. This deck plays uh, copies of Expressive Iteration, it plays copies of Omnath. This stuff that you can come to expect, of course, the full playset of Renin Sixes. Um, but the difference and the spin that it has compared to the Orion deck is the fact that you're actually playing a little bit more of a, of a, of a control uh, uh, you're fighting a little bit more on a controlled axis. So you have access to counter spells and forces and even more uh, instant speed interaction in the sideboard between Mystical Disputes, uh, Elder Gusts, Force of Vigor, and we even have chalices like the ones that Blue White is playing. So it is kind of like a, a baby between the Fur Color Yorion deck and Blue White. Mash both of those together. This is what you get. It's not necessarily better than either of those. It is just slightly different and uh, combines the upsides. Uh, and I mean, it, it does have a little bit of downsides compared to each one of them individually, but it's still super, super strong. I've been a big fan of this deck. Have you have you faced this deck a, a bit this past uh, week, Spider? I haven't, actually. I, I've played uh, this deck. I had my own take on this ages ago that I, I really enjoyed, but... I haven't played against it too much. I, it is interesting, you know, each, I feel like each version of this list looks a little bit different. So I, I have a hard time, like, you know, I think this four color control deck and my mind goes to a lot of places. Uh, I, I think the interesting thing that this one does is the three Jace the Mind Sculptor. That's like pretty, pretty interesting to me is they're also playing expressive iteration where some of the other ones aren't. I mean, obviously that's a great card, but yeah, I don't know. J Jace is the the one that has me scratching my head because everyone was was really mad. It's like, ah, oh, Jace is dead. You can't can't play Jace anymore. Uh, you know, Unholy Heat has dethroned Jace once and for all. And here we see, you know, this is uh, fifth place and three main deck Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, I mean, this kind of makes sense to me though, right? Like we have, uh, we did have a very, very red removal heavy metagame, right? Like it feels like before MH2, the removal was black, right? Like everybody was all about those fatal pushes. They were, uh, remember uh, the, um, I remember the, the Esper decks, right? Like the Esper control decks that TSP Yendrek was doing super well with. And they were just completely ignoring Path to Exile, splashing black for Fatal Pushes and Kaya Sky. Like those were like the removal spells du jour. Uh, now we MH2 comes down and Holy Heat takes over the format. Everybody is just going nuts over and Holy Heat Jace turns unplayable. 
And now, now that the format has evolved a little bit, it kind of feels like we have moved towards sort of a white removal heavy modern format. So like the, the, the top removal spells right now are Prismatic Ending and Solitude. And Prismatic Ending doesn't really line up particularly well against Jace. Like you literally have to top out straight up. And not even every deck can Prismatic Ending for X equals 4. A lot of them can only uh, do it for X equals 3. So Jace kind of dodges those. And then um, Solitude is just doesn't even do anything against Jace. Like sure, it can attack it, but like it's not really a great exchange. You're like five mana, three two. At that point, Jay's brainstorm twice. Like they probably can figure out a way to uh, to to answer your solitude. You know what I'm saying? So I think it makes sense for Jay's to make a little bit of a comeback. And we already had seen a little bit of a comeback from Teferi because it was it was being played alongside Chalice, right? Like a Chalice kind of locking out those one drops, so your opponent couldn't answer the Teferi in a in a very clean way. And now uh, now that everybody's moving on to the wide removal, Jace kind of can come down and uh, you know just add a little bit more insult to injury. And now we are just like Turbo Planeswalker in this deck list that is playing <laughs> thirteen Planeswalkers, four Ren, four Teferi Time Raveler two Hero of Dominaria, three Jays. Uh, so we're really digging into the, the Planeswalker theme in this one. Absolutely. The The other cool thing about this list is actually it's playing three Force of Negation. And I, I actually quite like that, uh, especially when you're recouping card disadvantage with stuff like Jace, but also the expressive iterations. So you can get, you know, put that uh, Force of Negation in your hand with expressive iteration, and then you're still ready to go. I, I think that card is kind of coming back into favor a little bit. Um, we're seeing it just here and there, whereas before we weren't really seeing it at all. I wouldn't be surprised if people start jamming a lot more of them if you're scared of things like Belcher. Yeah, for sure. And not only that, but, you know, when you're playing a deck, again, with 13 place walkers and 3 Omnath, like, this deck is super top-out, right? So allowing you to have a free way to protect your Planeswalker after you resolve it seems like it really does a lot. Like, it really does a lot. Like, the fact that we have four Solitudes and three Force of Negations as three ways to protect our Soul Planeswalker, and then we can untap and start taking over with it seems like a huge, huge deal. So the, the the whole concept from the deck, it just kind of works off of itself, you know, which is which is nice. That's, that's just good deck building right there. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> All right, sixth place, uh, moving on to good old Boring Hammer. Uh, turns out this deck is still busted. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that? or? Yeah, so th this deck is embracing the Black Splash. It's actually playing two main deck Thought Seizes. Uh, this is really interesting to me. You'll see anywhere from 0 to 4 in people's main decks nowadays, and I really don't understand how people end up on these numbers. Um, I know I saw a list tweeted, I think, out by X-Whale, and his list had one Thoughtseize in the main deck. And, you know, I think it's usually the full four copies in the 75, but I don't know. I, I don't understand how someone's like, yeah, yeah, this is a this is a one main deck Thoughtseize kind of deck. Like, I don't, that's beyond me. But, um, yeah, Hammer's still good. I don't think there's anything too, too unusual here. Maybe one Giver of Runes. That's a similar card where I'm like, how did you get to one Giver of Runes? I don't, <laughs> I don't get that. How is one the correct number? Um, also, Ingenious Myth is is kind of a weird card. Like, I still cannot really wrap my head my head around that one. Like, the bobs make sense, 
you know, it's like, oh, well, everybody's playing blue. Why do you want to you wanna be playing some bobs? Like, and, like, it makes a lot of sense, and it, it just, it, it really works. But Ingenious Myth is just, I don't know. It, it's just kind of weird to me. I, I actually think this one, I feel like I finally understood it. I don't really like it, but, you know, th- this card comes down, it gets immediate value, so it's kind of like Stoneforge in that sense. Uh, if you deal with all the hammer stuff, this is still going to grow eventually to a reasonable size. Like if this thing's a four four, it you know it's a real threat. You can grow it on your opponent's turns with your Urza sagas, um, and you're just like you know free artifact or something. If, if you play Ingenious Smith and you hit a Memnite, you play it. You now have a two two and a one one. So it's it's not it's not bad. It just seems underwhelming to me. That's that's kind of all. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Um, anyway, and finally, the last two deck lists are very, very similar. Both of them are just uh, good old Jund, but the good Jund, the, the, the one of the Sumer variety as opposed to the Boomer variety. Um, so we're playing good cards instead of playing uh, good old washed up cards like Liliana of the Veil vale and Bloodbred of. So nothing too interesting to say here. This is just in my opinion, the best Lurus midrange deck. Um, I know that uh, Spike uh, really likes the um, the red-black Lurus deck and stuff like that. This honestly always felt like just a better deck. It's just straight up a better deck. Than the red-black list? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that they have, you know, slightly different... In the way that they're constructed, they have slightly different upsides and downsides, but the upside in this one is just like so insane like ren plus saga is messed up like ren plus saga is is an insanely good grind engine like it's so so powerful and the other deck just doesn't seem like it has that much of, a, of an upside um sure torak that's kind of what you're what you're dealing with like do you think that torak is nuts which by the way i i do think that it is so there's that <laughs> so, <laughs> If you want to be playing Torak, um, that's probably like the best place to be playing Torak. So sure, <laughs> I, I guess I do get where where it comes from, but still, Saga plus Ren is, is messed up. Man. Clean mana is is a good thing, but you're right, Saga Ren is. Uh, I mean, the the cool thing about this deck, when thinking about it, you really want to think about Urza Saga as more of a spell than as a land. Mm-hmm. That's that's really more what its role here is. So you're having like roughly a 20 land deck with a bunch of mistress bobbles and renin sixes and one drops and so it makes decent sense yeah 100 percent um this is one of the decks that i always thought like i could work on this you know like i i this is the kind of deck that i could see myself playing and i could see this as you know one of the competitive decks that i would work on and like try to develop and then i just don't for whatever reason (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a weird deck. I feel like I never see it in leagues or anything like that, but then you get into the high-level tournament play, and this deck is consistently making top eights. It's it's very good. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably has to do with the price. Like, this deck is really expensive. Like, both this deck and you were saying that you never play against the four-color Omnath deck, which, again, may very, very well be because of how expensive it is. So in leagues in particular, that is very much, uh, it's very much an important factor that determines, you know, the, and and that's why we often say, you know, this is the deck list that I would play in a big event. And this is like a 
quote unquote a league metagame deck list, you know? <laughs> uh, and in leagues you're a lot more likely to see decks that are a lot cheaper, like Burn or like Hammer, even Blue Red Merc type. Uh, but but yeah, this one, you know, Ren plus Monkey plus Ursa Saga equals yikes. <laughs> <laughs> equals dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so that that wraps up the top eight. Um, there's a lot of very cool deck lists though, which is uh, what, what I find very interesting about this event in particular. Like the ninth place deck list, which uh, it's nice that we can touch on because it also did pretty well in the in the challenge in Saturday as well. But we were talking earlier about how like Belcher and Merfolk got underneath everything. And this deck is like the reason why that's a very good strategy. We have a Yorion. <laughs> this this is this is amazing. So it's a Yorion deck that is playing four copies of Broadback and three copies of Showdown of the Skulls. So oh, yeah. if you thought that you wanted to grind, <laughs> get ready because this one really grinds. This one really really grinds. Um, and then we have like all of the usual suspects. So this is uh, kind of like a like a slight deviation from the uh, the Yorion for color decks. You know, playing Eternal Witness plus Ephemerate plus you know stuff like that. Uh, so this one's slightly different. It's adding again Shorn of the Skulls plus Broadback. Broadback also combos really well with your Fetchlands, obviously. Combos really really well with your Solitudes and Fury and Endurance. So lots of things to combo with. Um, with brought back this deck is also playing one copy of whenever we did our episode uh, when we did our episode uh, a couple of weeks ago and we talked about all of the crimson vow cards uh only about half of the set had been had been previewed and one of the cards that we did not get to talk about last time was wandering mind which is uh, one blue one and red for a two one a flying horror creature that when it enters the battlefield you look at the top six cards of your library you reveal a non-creature no land card from from them and you put it into your hand and then the rest in the, of in the bottom of your library so we do see wandering mind actually making uh, making an appearance here which kind of makes sense right we get yeah. to we get to ephemerate this bad boy opponent kills it we get it back with brought back boom doing <laughs> just living the life dude just living the life it's a cool card. I, I think, you know, it's probably like fringe, fringe playable, but, um, you know, three mana, two one that gets you something back is, is decent. And when you're just trying to do value things, why not? Yeah. ETB. ETB triggers is what, is what it's, it's about, right? This does exactly that. Finds your abundant harvest, finds your iteration, finds your prismatic ending, and your one of copy of time warp, uh, which is, I played. I lost four games in the showcase against um, the the four color Yorion deck. Three of those were to to my opponents finding their their one off time warp. Ugh, that, yes, that hurts. Yeah, uh, that hurts. You know, Wandering Mind gets you that time warp. So yeah, I don't uh, know. Tough, tough stuff. But yeah, uh, my favorite part about this is the three copies of the Amri Skull. You can go with your Medley Mage. You can go with your Knight of Autumn. Oh, what a delight. What a delight. But Stormbreath Dragon in the sideboard, dude. I, I literally haven't seen this until right now. 
one copy of Stormbreath Dragon in the sideboard? Hell I, yeah. I don't know, man. Is that just like you playing against blue white and you're like, all right, here's the dragon. You're not solituding it. Yeah, you c- just can't touch it. Da, 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 just can't touch it. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to make you play Scred Red so you could just do that the whole time. <laughs> Well, this is this is what Turek does, right? Like, just pro-white is legit very good right now. Which is a funny thing to say, considering that we always, you know, everybody always said how white is the worst color in modern or whatever, and it's just like, well, it turns out that now pro-white is one of the best abilities in the format. Like, I don't know. Like, things change, I guess. <laughs> Knight of Malice. Get him, get him now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but... Yeah, so besides besides that, the only two other interesting things that I wanted to point out, two Death Shadow decks in 12th and 13th place. This is bravery, man. This is bravery. Just like everybody's jamming Solitus and trying to outgrind everybody, and you're just like, here's a Death Shadow. Please don't Solitude me. Please. <laughs> well, it's like, here's a dress down, nice solitude, right? And then you pump your death, death shadow. That, that's that's the hope. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool seeing it. I, I wanted to point out there was there's actually a mill in 11th place, like right, right there, right on the cusp of the top eight. Uh, then the other thing I wanted to mention was the 14th place was the highest placing living end deck, I believe. And they're doing weird things they've got like the titanoth rex the godzilla cycler 11 11 that's in there yeah. they've got main deck subtlety represent uh <laughs> gotta gotta point that one out to fran um they've got main deck four main deck endurances i i don't know like the, these lists are wild to me i it's like so different than the blue base living and we're seeing a lot of that this is much more like you know you're 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 kind of going back to the old ways or something but they i mean they are playing shardless and and violent outburst but then they just i don't know they don't like uh force of negation they don't like grief none, none of that yeah force of negation in the sideboard because we're playing blood moon baby <laughs> no yeah this is like this that it won a challenge like a maybe a couple of weeks ago or something um it's like the alternate version of Libidant, you know, like everybody's just like jamming the, the, the grief version and then there's like, it just feels like the, the woke people are just playing this like weird looking Libidant version with <laughs> with like blood was in the side of and stuff. So I don't know, this is like a galaxy brain Libidant or something. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, scrolling down, your rhinos made 17th place in the hands of Enlightened Muppet. So, you know, deck, deck doing what it does. And Mono Red Eldrassi. There's no way that deck is real. Right? In 18th place. Oh, oh, it's great. It's great. This deck, this is this is my kind of deck. You got your Chalice of the Voids. You got your Ragavan. You got your, your Dismember and your uh, your Furies. Like, what's what's to dislike? Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> no, the, the, the last interesting list, Contra Ego on 22nd place. Contra Ego is a, play, is a player known for just loving all things Ursa, Lord High Artificer, 
and uh, that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> just, just jamming Urza. Um, and uh, yeah, 22nd place is not bad at all. Not bad at all playing it a Yorian version of, uh, of uh, an Ursa deck with four copies of Thraven Inspector, four copies of Stoneforge Mystic. Of course, Stoneforge finds you your Sword of the Meek so you can combo with your Thopter Foundry. Mmm, mmm. Delightful. You can also find your Caltra Complete, your Nettle Cyst, all that good stuff. So this feels very close to um, the blue-white deck that Spike was playing at some point. It's just like we're just going up to 80 cars and just adding Ursa into the mix um, and like leaning a little bit harder on that. I you gotta, I, I gotta stop you, man. Like you, you said, that was the last interesting list. I'm, I'm scrolling here and I'm like... There's a grinding breach in 31st place. We got we got Dredge that made it in the top 32. We got a bump in the night in Burn. Like if if you think you knew what was going on in Modern, <laughs> you're wrong. Like it's just it's it's throw everything that you thought you knew out of the window. Apparently, we're it's a whole new landscape. Wow. Should we just like change the name of the podcast and just like talk about other format? Clearly Modern's too much for us, dude. <laughs> Instead of uh, Mishra's Babble, it's like um... Ursa's Babble. Make it, make it legacy. <laughs> make it Ursa's Babble, and let's talk legacy. That's it. But uh, actually, it's it's kind of crazy how how much the, the the format has continued to evolve. Like it's it's kind of mind blowing, really. This were the results from the showcase. Uh, the Saturday challenge also brought some interesting uh, results as well. We have again Belcher winning the whole thing. So both weekend events, both of them won by Belcher. And this is more of a, I guess, I should say stock version or as stock as Belcher <laughs> can really be uh, with Blood Moons in the main deck and only two copies of Pact of Negation. Dude, combo's back. It's back. It is. There's another Belcher in, in sixth place in that same challenge. And, and what's more, we even have a, uh, a a glimpse of tomorrow deck in the top eight in, in third place. So if you were yeah. missing combo, you don't need to look very far. It's kind of cool, man. Like, I, I love when Modern is in this kind of constant flux. Like, sure, we have like a, a, a best deck or like a tier, tier one or deck or, you know, some decks that are obviously quote-unquote better than the than, than the rest, right? Like, in maybe in terms of power level or stuff like that. But all of a sudden, you can have, like, a good read of the metagame and see, like, oh, everybody's doing this thing. Well, how about I do this other thing? And then people are just not ready for it. And all of a sudden, just, just win a massive, like, almost 400 people event. Like, that's, that's no joke. That's no joke. That's really hard to do. Well, it's not just 400 people, like, these moto events are no joke. I, I remember sitting in that queue and I'm scrolling and I'm like, oh, this is like every other person is a grinder or a pro or, you know, it's a name you recognize. Like th these events are not easy. They are not easy at all. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Round two, I got paired against Hall of Famer. And round <laughs> three, I got paired against like Trophy Leader from like two seasons ago. Um, that's the <laughs> That's the showcase life, man. It really, they're really like the best uh, tournaments to be played in, and not even MTGO, just period, like for real. Like the arena events are a joke compared to to, to what these this super crazy showcases are. So I mean, you look at a showcase, and I'm like, 
you know, if you ask me what would have easier competition, this or GP Day 2, I'm like, GP Day 2, like, you know, please give me GP Day 2 people <laughs> instead. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Like, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Vegas uh, in, in, in a little bit, so... Um... That's to worry. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> game. You know, day one of GP Vegas is gonna be a lot easier than this weekend's showcase. Like, fear not about that. But yeah, like usually Sunday challenges are a little bit weird. So we do have the 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 deck that you were talking about, the the glimpse deck. Uh, you know, violent outburst, Charles agent, and then like different ways to accrue value with Omnath, Dark Dwellers, Chancellor of the Forge as the way to close the game, etc. One copy of the Fairy Town Raveler in the main deck. I wonder why. How did you get to one? <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> one is clearly the number, uh, but but yeah, like this deck is this deck is sweet. Like I, I wonder if it's one of those decks that we don't see more of because it's not good enough, or it's because of how many clicks it, it takes to actually go <laughs> through the loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I don't know. I, I look at that, and that's my first thought: is like, I don't, I don't want to deal with performing that combo. That, that looks awful. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It really doesn't do the deck any favors. Uh, then fourth place, we got Crusher Bot continues to crush uh, with their super weird uh, versions of uh, the the Hammer deck with four Steel Shapers Gift and just like Nettle Cysts and Shadow Spear and and sort of Iron Isis in the main deck and stuff. Sort of sinew and steel and war and peace. Uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I will say their main deck has gotten. I feel like every time I see their main deck, it is a little bit cleaner. But every time I look at the sideboard, I just immediately see sort of sinew and steel, <laughs> sort of war and peace, and I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'm I'm out. The main deck gets cleaner and the sideboard gets dirtier. <laughs> <laughs> The three silences are just, oh, they, they just they just hit me in the feels. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh, I I miss putting this on an isochron scepter. So any chance I get to silence somebody, you know, you know that's exactly what they're doing. Is they're like, I'm gonna kill you with a hammer, and I'm gonna silence you to make sure I'm killing you with the hammer. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna make sure they're real dead. You know? No, no solitudes around here. Yeah. So fifth place, we got ham. We got blue red merc tide. Um, it kind of feels like Consider is now the new stock, which we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This just makes way too much sense to me. I'm surprised that people were lying to themselves and playing Merc um, Thought Scours for this long. Uh, but yeah, besides that, one copy of JC Mouse in the main deck and only three copies of Merktide Regent. I don't think I can get down with that. But sure, <laughs> whatever. If Sokos thirteen thought that was the move, more power to them again. I, I guess. Um, so the the funniest thing, sure. There, there's there's like you know there's another Belcher. We just said that, and there's another um, like four color Yorion deck. But there's one version that I wanted to to point out as four color control. But now we're taking it even one step further, and now we're also splashing black for Fatal Push and Kaya's Guile. So the full five colors, and how do we make that mana base work? Like, it seems impossible, right? Well, we just play two copies of Metamorphose in the main deck. 
Easy game, <laughs> easy life, dude. What could go wrong? <laughs> I mean, you know what? I was going to say that this was fine because I don't. I'm like, where's the counter spell? And then I'm like, oh, wait, there it is. Oh, wait, there's Archmage's Charm. And I'm like, oh, I don't. I can't. I'm not touching that, man. I, you can't make me do it. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, yeah, this one is something. I wonder, like, I legit wonder how many times you want to cycle that Metamorphose, but you're sitting with an Archmage's Charm in hand and your mana base uh, just doesn't function because, like, you drew your planes or, like, you... I don't know. You just drew your mana just doesn't work, and you need to, you know, make sure you hold on to that metamorphose so that you can cast that Colligan's command, which is otherwise uncastable, or that Kaya's Guile, or, or whatever. So, I don't know. You know what? Their, their mana, I'm looking at it right now, a little bit closer eye. They've got only island, uh, only the planes and the blood crypt that don't tap for blue. So, I mean, they, yeah. they did build it with that in mind, but I. I don't know. I, I feel like even with everything in mind, you're still going to end up, you know, doing exactly what you said earlier. Where you're like, all right, I'm going to fetch so I can turn one fatal push. And then now I need to have turn two, red and six, and counter spell available. And I, I don't, I, pfft, that stresses me out. Yeah. That seems like turn number one probably takes you three minutes to figure out you know <laughs> just like wait this fetch long gets that one but that's if they do this if they do this you know um seems rough seems rough but you know that's why charlie is the banana king because he figure it out i guess <laughs> if you can make this mana base work all your dreams are possible my friend all your dreams are possible <laughs> you know you say that and in eighth place we have the or color Yorion, good stuff. And this person, you know, uh, Zurio, is actually playing Abundant Growth. And I feel I, I like see that, and I just instantly it's like, mm, yeah, okay, that like to me somehow that makes more sense than the than the metamorphosis. Your your mana's maybe better for a while, but then you start looking further, and you realize that this is an ice, the Ice Fang list, and there's a lot of basics, and I I I, I don't know they. All the four color decks, I feel like at a certain point, they just my eyes start to glaze over, and I'm like, it's it's good cards. We get it. I I feel like I get dizzy sometimes watching looking at this deck list. It's just like, wait, what? What? <laughs> how many of these and how many of that? I mean, three ice fang, three fury, three spreading seas. That's how you know, you know. And three lightning helix, of course. It's it's figured out they cracked with, the case. All, with only two forces of negation and two ephemerates in the main deck you know these are the numbers <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man like one thing that we learned is like you just throw enough good cards in there and you're just gonna win and you're gonna top eight events anyway like it just doesn't matter if your numbers are perfect <laughs> everything will work itself out fear not um all right sweet so that kind of wraps up uh, what we wanted to discuss uh, in, in terms of this past uh, weekend results, uh, which were a lot. But now we can talk about what's coming up this coming weekend, which is um, not a GP Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how you did that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not a GP. So Trust me. this event, I think, in, at least in my mind, didn't correct me if if you think I'm wrong here, but the deck that I would both expect the most of 
and the most hate for, because I think everyone else will also expect this, is Hammer. So I this is the kind of thing, I don't know about you, but you know I'll go to a paper event, and when people actually expect something, they start to do weird stuff. Like, you, you think Moto Meta is strange. Go to a GP where you think people actually are expecting something. You're going to have people like, okay, I'm going to bring Hammer, but I'm going to put Manriki Gusari in my main deck. That's the kind of stuff you're gonna go see. Yeah, I mean, in the hammer, in the Hogak days, we had a bunch of people just throwing ley lines in there and then getting paired against mono red prowess and <laughs> not doing well because of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, and and one thing to keep in mind is that in these events, a lot of people will. First of all, with all of this Modern Horizons thing, a lot of people will just play whichever deck they usually play. So if you don't expect really to see a lot of Tron in 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 like a showcase or something like that, you should probably expect to see Tron at this uh, at this kind of paper event. Like you will see Tron. Like it's it's actually you will see more Tron than you should. Is is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you will see more Tron than you should. You will see more Burn than you should. Um, even though burn, I think it's it's a good deck, but you will definitely see more burn than you should. <laughs> um, and then there are other decks that, of course, uh, are just played by format specialists. You know, so if you go to an event like this and you get paired against House of Mana, which I, I think that he actually is going to to Vegas, but like he is going to be playing Amulet. Like, I'm sorry, House, if, I, if I'm throwing your, your groove here and I'm just <laughs> showing off your tech, but he's going to be playing Hammer. He's going to be playing Amulet, you know? Like, he, you kind of know, like, this kind of people that uh, that all only play this this decks that you can expect them to be playing that deck because they're, they know that they can leverage their skill in order to, again, like, beat on an overall softer uh, field, right? Like, as we were saying, uh, the the game one, the day one of a GP is going to overall be a softer field than, uh, than a showcase, right? So with that in mind, uh, the decks that I would expect to see the most are going to be Blue Red Murktide and a Hammer. And I would say Burn in third place because of what of this phenomenon that I was explaining where, you know, you will see more burn than you probably should. So those are the three decks that I would expect to see the most. Uh, then there are a couple of decks that I don't expect to see as much as we should. And this definitely includes the Four Color Yorion deck. I do think that there's not going to be enough people. Like, I think that is legit one of the best decks in the format. And I think that the metagame percentage of a deck like that is not going to be, is not going to be met. And this is, I would say, in the vast majority because of the price tag. <laughs> as simple as that. Getting new cards is not always easy. You have people who haven't played a real big paper event since, you know, forever ago at this point. So, you know, like maybe you had someone who bought into Heliod hoping paper would come back and now they're bringing it here. Um, I think the funniest thing in my mind is that you will have lots of people who are playing Jund, and I am pretty positive that most of them will not be playing Luris Jund with Saga, which is the good Jund. Yeah, and they will not day two. <laughs> <laughs> you can be certain about all of those facts. Uh, but uh, but yeah, this is, this is kind of like the difference between uh, an event like this and 
sure, things kind of clean themselves up a little bit on on day two, right? Like the again, like the boomer Johns are just gonna be nowhere to be seen. Maybe you have like somebody who managed to sneak into day two at a at a seven and two record or like six and three or something, uh, but. Overall, like the the better decks uh, played by the better players are the ones that are going to to make it into the second day of competition. Uh, while you know the the, the 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 fat I would say of the meta game is going to be is going to be done by then. But in order to get to that day two, you do need to slug through that game that day one. So. Um, all of these things that we're talking about here, all of these decks that you should probably not be seeing, you're going to be seeing them, and you need to have a plan for them. So when I make a sideboard guide for uh, for a GP, or I guess not a GP in this case, uh, my sideboard guides include like 40 matches or something ridiculous, because again, the range of decks that I could potentially see in an event like this is so, so wild. Um, so what I recommend is don't over sideboard for those kind of matchups, but be prepared. Like know that there is a higher chance that you face boggles than you should, uh, particularly decks like that, right? Like decks that maybe some people kind of have as an extra deck and they just lend to a friend. Uh, so you know, in rounds one to th- uh, one through three, you will uh, very likely find yourself in a in a situation where you're playing against one of those decks. So that's definitely something that that you need to keep in mind. Don't be afraid to read the card. I I, I know I can tell you anecdotally that uh, the tax car has, is is arriving at the GP. I, a couple of my friends are you know tax friends are going, and there's they're they're gonna roll up with their ambitious farm hands and. I would recommend reading the card. Uh, the probably the biggest strength there is just make sure you're you're comfortable and you know just just be ready, be flexible. Uh, a lot of people ask me for sideboard guides, and that's that's usually you know I, I don't like to make sideboard guides because I want to be flexible. So um, in this case, either you can take Fran's approach and make a thousand sideboard guides, or you know maybe cover the big ones and then just realize that you may end up playing against boggles or death and taxes or amulet or burn or dredge or you know basically any deck that has been a deck in the history of modern as long as they're not completely banned out of existence (laughs) be prepared yeah anything is possible anything is possible but uh, but again so the decks that i uh, that we expect to see and we expect to do well are those that we just named um, do you think that we're going to have any surprises? Spider, do you have any like hot takes and interesting things that you think may surprise us from, from this event? Honestly, I, I have no idea. I remember looking at the Hunter Burton, you know, top eight day two stuff and just feeling like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, I feel like I try to make good meta calls or like, I feel like I understand what's going on. And then I like go and play paper magic and I'm like, you what? You did what now? I, I recall uh, the the last GP I went to, was, I believe it was GP Phoenix. It's a Pioneer GP. I had a grind or not grinding breach, um, underworld breach, yeah, Lotus breach combo deck, and my opponent was playing main deck Mystical Disputes, and they explained to me very confidently, "Well, you got to beat Inverter." And I, okay. <laughs> Did they beat him better though? <laughs> well, they didn't beat me on Inverter, so I, I, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, so I think that it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be fantastic, but uh, you do expect you probably do have to expect to, and this is uh, it's interesting that you that you brought up the Hunter Burton Memorial because that is kind of what we saw in that event, right? Like we saw in the earlier rounds, we had like random decks here and there. We even saw like Enchantress and stuff like that in camera. But then when you went and you saw the top eight. Rhinos, Rhinos, Blue Red Merktide, Hammer Time, and like you know stuff like that. Like even though we do, we did have all of the um, all of the tier four and 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 more honestly uh, decks hanging out in there. What rose to the top is what you would expect to rise to the top. If I had to make predictions for the top eight, I would say two hammers, one Merktide. One Rhinos, one combo that can be either Living End or, or Belcher, one four color deck, and then the last two are going to be wild cards. The, the last one, sorry, is going to be a wild card that I have no idea what, what it's going to be. But those are my predictions. You didn't put an amulet in there. I was so sure you were going to put an amulet in there. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> so. Neither of us are going this weekend, but I have to ask you, Fran, if you were going, is that what you'd be playing? Just Karn Amulet? Yeah, I think that the decklist that I played last week is fantastic. I think it's very, very good, and I will be I would be well slept if I will if I went to this event, so that would definitely help me a lot. Uh, <laughs> but um I think that I know my matchups really, really well. And what I was saying earlier, I have a plan for literally every single matchup that could be put in front of me. Maybe now that I, now that I saw that the the, the Cascade uh, Glimpse deck top eight the, this event, I don't have enough experience in that matchup specifically. So maybe I'll have to figure out a cyber plan for the for the Glimpse nonsense. Though that deck is probably unplayable in paper, right? I don't. I don't know. I can't tell. If that's better in paper or worse, I, I will let Sodek worry about it. Fair enough, fair enough. One last note that I wanted to point out uh, that's different between paper, uh, and this is going to be very, very important if this is like your first big paper event. It's time in the round. In MTGO, it's very easy. Everybody has their clock, and you just manage your clock however you want. That is not true in paper. So... And I learned this the hard way in my very first paper event, round number one. You are playing at a reasonable pace, but your opponent is not for a variety of reasons. You know, maybe they're new, maybe they're simply slow, it doesn't matter. But you never need to be afraid of just very politely asking your opponent to, you know, keep up the pace. Particularly if you're planning on playing a blue-white control style deck or like a four-color Yorion grindy deck you need to be ready to ask your opponent to play quickly and you need to be ready to play quickly yourself because uh, the clock is shared and if you ever happen to draw a round you're gonna the likelihood of you drawing again is extremely high because surprise surprise the matches that you will face in the in the draw bracket are going to be against decks that are going to take a long time to finish the round so that is something that is important to keep in mind that you may not be aware of if you haven't played in a large uh, paper event uh, in, in in a while or or ever for that for that for that thing. Uh, but something to keep in mind. Make sure that you are uh, you are aware of this and be aware of your own pace of play and your opponents. 
And uh, usually what I do is as soon as the game starts and I know that my opponent's playing blue-white or something like that, I say something of, okay, so we're going to have to watch our pace of play because I'm also playing, even if I'm not playing that slow of a deck in Amulet, but I'm like, okay, these matchups are grindy, uh, we probably are going to need to be aware that we are going to have to keep a, a fast pace of play so that we can finish this in time. I never had anybody be upset about that just yet, so we'll continue doing that, but just, you know, like, Putting that on the table, I think, is pretty important so that then you can, you know, you can suggest your opponent to make a play and, you know, again, like, the, the points are in place, you know, like, they know what's up and as long as both of you agree on that, it should be, it should be perfectly fine. It's a good suggestion. I, that's a very polite way to do that. I know a lot of the time people feel awkward and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to call a judge. 100%. Just one last note on, on Vegas. Uh, what I would play... I'm I'm not going. I didn't have a deck ready. You know, too many details didn't figure them out. But when I don't know what to do, when I feel like I, I can't tax, I can't, you know, I don't have a pet deck right now. I just want to be the most degenerate possible. I would bring Belcher. And you're not going to see a lot of Belcher in, in paper, but boy, would I enjoy Belching in paper. That that just seems like a great time. Don't have to worry about those clock issues. You, 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 you belch them, you go get your slice of pizza you have a grand the whole time. How would you feel about playing Belcher in paper with Recross the Past the Path Piles? Ah, no, no problem. Ready, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> you think no problem at all? No big deal? Just like searching through your deck? I would imagine that it would take like a good five minutes to resolve any Recross the Path, period. I mean, I feel like it it it's also true on moto where i like the cards are so small and i'm like wait did i click it i can't tell if that one's highlighted um i don't basically you get your 10 cards and then after that just however the deck was shuffled it's fine fair enough all right sweet so you would play Vulture. I, I would imagine that you would have said something like reanimator so i'm actually surprised that you that you say vulture no, I, I wanted to play Reanimator, and then I got hit by so much graveyard hate over and over and over. It broke my spirit. So oh, now man. I want to break people's spirits with Belcher. Nothing like you know killing them on turn two. So that's that's really an effective way of breaking somebody's spirit, I guess. <laughs> anyway, sweet. Okay, so to kind of get towards the the end of this, um, one quick shout out is the fact that the trophy race is on and now more on than ever so uh as far as spike if you would remember we in the not the previous season but the one before uh he put together a trophy race that he ended up losing in the very very last couple of days uh to uh, principe and uh, this time he doubled down on it and there's actually prices like he actually bought some trophies for like first second and third place Actually, something exciting happening in MTGO right now, which is super, super sweet. So uh, I will be I will be following that uh, very, very closely for sure, and that's gonna be really cool to see what people are are bringing to the table or how they're trying to to participate in in the trophy race. I actually got my first trophy earlier today, and this is a fantastic segue into the last part of our today's episode, which is vow cards. The results, the new set, we gotta figure it out. Woo. So, I mean, I'm I'm curious to hear what your results are. I, I I feel like it just involves some giant turtle in amulet. Is it a turtle? I I don't remember. Close enough. It's a plant beast. Oh, okay. If you would believe it. If you would believe it. Uh, this is a card that we talked about last week. Cultivator Colossus. 
Uh, it's a four green, green, green trample star, star plant beast. And when it has power and toughness equals to the amount of lands you control. And then you can, um, when it comes into play, you may put a land from your hand into play. And if you do, you draw a card and repeat this process. So basically what it is, is just it turns all of the lands in your hand into lands in play plus an actual card in your hand. And I tried it last week and I was playing one in the main deck because the cards were not available and it was just way too expensive. I didn't want to buy multiple copies. Don't worry about it. Uh, but I didn't <laughs> draw it and I didn't play it a single time. So I was super sad. Today, I'm like... I'm going in and I played three copies in Amulet. I got to cast it only a single time and it was actually pretty good. Like it, it, it actually did not disappoint at all. Like it was very, very impressive what when it did its thing. Um, and usually the question in Amulet is like for every creature that you want to play in Amulet, the question is how is this better than Primeval Titan? And the answer the vast majority of the time, it is no. <laughs> It just is not. Um, but in this case, like it was actually better than primetime in what it did. And not only that, but it could have been even better, but I wasn't playing towards the out of drawing it, so I played a land that I shouldn't have, so I drew one less card for no reason. So with that in mind, the, you know, the fact that you can actually play towards it and once you know that it's in your deck and you're used to this you can kind of like ch change your play patterns in such a way as to maximize on the potential draw of your of your co uh, colossus um with that in mind it number one made me excited for trying it more which is something that i wasn't really expecting and second of all it kind of feels like it could be a legit sideboard card which again is more than than the hopes that I had for the card. Because <laughs> um, I, I wanted to play it mostly for the memes, but after actually casting it today, I'm like, wait a second. Is, is this actually good? What? Uh, so it drew me like six cards and put six cards, six lands from my hand into play or something like that. So it was solid. It was pretty solid. So excited to try it some more. Very excited to try it, to try it some more, um, but it's cool that the first card that I actually, uh, you know, put my hands on and, and actually tried to to make work, it sort of did in a way, and obviously much better that it just works in Amulet, right? <laughs> just <laughs> it just it, it just fit, you know, like the the Cinderella shoe. It just fits straight up. Not uh -huh. even didn't even have to worry about it too much. Well, if we're talking about cards that we've actually tried that are new, then I will tell you the one that I've played with the most, which is the new Chandra, which is Chandra Dressed to Kill. Mm -hmm. uh, just a little reminder for folks uh, what, what she is and what she does. She's red, red one, Planeswalker, starts with three loyalty. She has two plus ones. The first one is plus one. Uh, you add a red to your pool. You deal one damage, up to one damage to target player or Planeswalker. Sorry, one damage to up to one target player or Planeswalker. And then... Plus one, exile the top card of your library. If it's red, you may cast this card. And then her ultimate, which is minus seven, exile the top five cards of your library. When you cast red spells, you may cast red spells from among them this turn. You get an emblem with whenever you cast a red spell. This emblem deals X damage to any target where X is the amount of mana spent to cast that spell. So she's kind of like a little mini Chandra Torch of Defiance. And I was trying this in what everyone calls M. Hayashi Red, which is basically just mono red mid-range things um 
I feel like I've heard other people call this big red or chonky red. You know, pick, pick what you will. Uh, but she's she's very good in that deck. I have not tried Reckless Impulse in that deck yet, which is the other sort of big addition there. Uh, but it is worth noting I wasn't on Obosh anyway. I was trying to do DRC things and Bobble and all of that good stuff. But Chandra, good addition. Interesting, yeah. I remember um, Evan being just like not sold at all on that card and me trying to push on it being maybe doing something cool. Uh, but happy happy that you're trying it out and it seems like it's doing some stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean... Because it, it, it does look like it, it, it does something better than the other Chandra, and that something better is that the fact that it's cheaper. <laughs> I mean, the nastiest thing involved in this is the support from Ragavan, where you go turn one Ragavan, you hit them, and you go turn two Chandra. And that's it's very, very good. That seems like a pretty nice curve. Um, so Reckless Impulse, then, is another car that I haven't tried, but I've seen people trying... Funnily enough, in vintage and doing oh. really well. Interesting. Um, which is uh, which is cool. So um, I don't know how much of a difference that 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 makes with modern, but two mana draw two is is quite powerful. I don't know if there's actually a shell. Like obviously there's like a million shells in in vintage or potentially even in in, in legacy. You know, uh, where expressive iteration is just like a not so car that. People are just stretching their three-color mana towards red just so they can play a couple of copies of uh, expressive iterations. Like the card is obviously nuts there, so I wonder, I wonder how much worse it really is. You know, like how how much worse is it to look at one card less versus having the ability of playing that card for two full turns as opposed to being forced to? Because very often, you know, you iteration and um, you know, you find, you know, and I had this ex this experience whenever I was playing the, the four-color deck, you know, like you're looking for a land, and instead of that, you did not find your land, but you found like two four drops, you know, and it's just like, well, I can put one of these in my hand, I guess, you know, and you, you just pass with a very sad face, um, whereas with this card, you get to, you know, maybe play a four drop this turn, and then maybe play the other one of the following turn, or something like that, um, I don't know, what kind of deck is looking for this effect, which is the thing, like, I don't know if this has a home, uh, which is the big the big downside for, for this card specifically, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The way I look at this card, the biggest upside to me over Expressive Iteration is the fact that it just doesn't cost two colors. It's red and one. So you can go into more decks, like maybe you were playing the red-black uh, Luris deck, and you didn't want to splash blue, but you were missing expressive iteration. Maybe that was the card you wanted to splash blue for. Well, now you don't really have to. So I think this card is good. I haven't really been seeing it. Um, I think a lot of the cards we're going to talk about here are sort of fringe things. Um, in fact, I'll move on to the next one. It's similar to the first where I thought it was a turtle when it's not, which is the Hullbreaker Horror. It is a Kraken Horror. I wanted it to be a turtle horror. That sounds so cool. But anyway, it's uh, 5 blue blue, 7 8 flash. It can't be countered. When you cast a spell, choose up to one, and you get to choose either return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand or return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So it's kind of like a Tide Spout Tyrant kind of thing, but it's big, beefy, it's hard to stop. I've been seeing uh, Mana Symbol cast this card with things like um, 
uh, wilderness reclamation to make lots of mana, and then you just finish them off with this. That seems decent. Uh, I don't know if it's going to really see much play beyond something exactly like that. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where the fact that it can protect itself, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, if you play this with consider mana up, the card is literally unkillable. Like, your opponent can't do anything. Because it's also a triggered ability, right? Like, so you, you play the consider, your opponent's solitudes, you just, you know, play your consider and you bounce your own dude. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, they don't do anything. That You just saved it. So, if you can do this thing and, like, make sure that you have some mana up, it's virtually unkillable. And not only that, but, you know, after this in play, obviously, it starts taking over super quickly because you start bouncing all of your opponent's stuff. Um, and then, like, this just just attacks through completely unimpeded. Also, it's larger than everything but a Merktide. But you can just bounce the Merktide, so you don't care about the Merktide anyway. So, um, it's cool. It's just, it feels like it needs to work specifically in Reclamation because... Seven mana is a lot, like it really is. And also you can... Reclamation is a deck where Mystical Teachings fits very nicely into, and you can actually Teachings for this, which is very cool. So, be yeah, so beca because of that specifically, it feels like this card is kind of custom-made for Reclamation, and it can't really see play anywhere else, um, which is a little bit disappointing. There's one other place, and I feel like saying this is like, it's like saying Voldemort or something, but Mono Blue Tron? Eh, maybe? Is that still a deck? I mean, was it ever? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> no arguments here. No arguments here. Uh, but yeah, no, this card is cool. This I, I like this one a lot, actually. Uh, next one. Uh, Blood Fountain. This is a silly common that people have been trying in Asmo shells and in Reanimator shells without too much success. <laughs> so, uh, don't get me wrong, the card, the card is actually solid. It's just the supporting cast is not quite there. Um, you know, Asmo... Even though at one point it was kind of showing up and being like, oh, what is this creature that is just like... Well, it turns out it's not that good because it just dies to itself a lot. Um, but by what, that, what, what I mean by that is the fact that it either floods or like fails to find one of their engine pieces. And when it doesn't have anything... It, it just needs to have everything going for it, basically. Uh, if you only have the Asmo and you don't have the Daredevil... It just doesn't really work. If you have the Daredevil and you don't have the Asmo, obviously it doesn't work. Uh, so like, it's just asking for you to have all of the pieces in place at the same time. And if any of the pieces are not there, uh, then it's just over. So uh, because of that, um, the deck has pretty much disappeared for the format entire uh, from the entire format entirely. Uh, unless I'm missing something. Like, when was the last time that you played against an Asmo deck? No, it's it's been quite a while. Um, just so people know exactly what we're talking about here. Blood Fountain artifact costs black. Enters the battlefield, you create a blood token, which is an artifact that has pay one, tap it, and loot. So you uh, discard a card, draw a card, and you sack the artifact along the way, 
and you can pay three in a black and tap sack it to return up to two creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. So kind of like the cookbook in and of itself on that bottom part. Um, but this lets you play in Asmo. It's good in that deck, but I don't think it, it solves that issue. You know, if you're combining three cards in modern and you're not just winning the game, then you might be doing something wrong. And unfortunately, that's kind of what Asmo is. Yeah, and it does a little bit in terms of, you know, it digs you one card deeper towards finding your engine pieces, but that's just not enough, <laughs> unfortunately. The important part is that it lets you play Asmo, right? So you yeah. pay one, yeah, but um, it's just not quite... I, I, I don't know, maybe some genius Asmo player out there will figure it out. I feel like I was a chef at one point, but I've, I've given up my time in the kitchen. I've, I've passed the Asmo mantle on. Yeah, pretty sad. Pretty sad. Um, okay, last one is not one that we really saw uh, that it, it saw much play, but that could potentially see play, which is Path of Peril. Um, and we did see Calling Ritual as a card that's been showing up. So uh, Path of Pearl is uh, one black black uh, for, you know, a sorcery that has, you know, that that keyword that we all hate in this podcast, cleave. So for one black black, you get to destroy all creatures with CMC two or less, but you get to play uh, to pay a cleave cost of four white and black, and you get to destroy all creatures, period. So... It's a three mana sweeper, which we don't really see those very often, um, but it only kills stuff with CMC two or less. So it does kill your DRC, it does kill all the creatures from uh, from Hammer except Lurus, uh, Tarmogoyf dies. Uh, like it, it really kills a lot in the format, and we have seen uh, cards like Cooling Ritual uh, really starting to show up and in, in some sideboards as a potential cyber card. So um, it kind of bear the question like is this a cyber card that you can play in a deck with creatures with cmc plus or is this just like a cyber card period just like your sweeper of, of choice is is a three drop sweeper in uh, we saw in the past decks playing uh, decks like adenosium or um eight rack and stuff like that playing three mana sweeper like the bone twos something i can't remember the name of the card last reckoning that's the one. Um, so we, we saw some decks that were playing that as the sweeper of choice, but you know that time walks you, so that's obviously not very good. So, you know, it could potentially see play in some strategies like that. It's another fringe option. I, I don't think it's better than Culling Ritual because Culling Ritual kills non-creatures, so that card's really good against Hammer because you kill their aids and their hammers and whatnot, and then it even nets you mana back. So I think it's like pretty different in that sense but i don't know maybe it's a niche role player i probably can't really think of any deck that you'd actually want to put this in but i don't know maybe it's out there this card does seem really good against hammer specifically right like it kills all the constructs it kills as sentinels it kills stoneforge like the only thing that it doesn't kill really are like your ink moth nexus and um lurus specifically Sure. I mean, I guess the counterpoint I'd have is if you're paying three mana and you're trying to, like, Wrath Hammer, wouldn't you often want Engineered Explosives, which is 
you know, it's not going to kill all the creatures, but it's going to hit the hammers as well, and it does a lot of things elsewhere. I don't know. That's the kind of thing this has to compete with, and that's a pretty tall order. Fair enough. <laughs> Actually, explosive is a hell of a card, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up all of our vow conversation. Um, not that many hits, really. Not that many hits. I made a video for YouTube uh, talking about a couple of other cards as well, but uh, overall, this set is not super uh, high on modern staples, but sure, that's kind of what we want anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, we we like the the low impact things. You don't you don't need a brand new modern with a new set because there's a brand new modern anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like modern? Just wait two weeks. You know. <laughs> We should have that phrase, you know, like in Florida, it's just like you, you don't know, you don't like uh, Florida weather. Just wait ten minutes. Yeah. Well, this this is this is a similar <laughs> thing. You don't like modern, okay? Just wait a week. <laughs> it's gonna change and it's gonna be fine. Modern being the Florida of magic, that that just that hurts my soul. <laughs> that doesn't sit right, right? Um, all right, man. Are you are you ready to wrap it up? Yeah, sure am. All right, sweet. Uh, to all of you that are still listening, thank you so much. You are indeed troopers. Somehow we're... I have the feeling that we are less. When Evan is not here, our episodes tend to be even longer. Is that true? Like, we're almost one hour and 45 minutes in. I, I don't know. Does Evan rein us in? It's, he's just, like, leans forward and we, we feel the shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe maybe he just shuts us up somehow. Anyway, um, all right, let's let's wrap it up then. Where can people find you, uh, Spider? Yeah, uh, Spider Space MTG on Twitter and uh, Spider Space on Twitch. Sweet. So you can find Evan as Everos on Twitch and Everos TTV on Twitter, and I'm certain about it because I'm not him. So <laughs> I know his, his actual Twitter handle because it's not that difficult. Uh, and you can find me at uh, on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash F-P-A-W-L-U-S-Z. That is F-Pablush. And you can find me on YouTube, Patreon, and Twitter at F-Pablush-MTG. This has been Mistress Babel, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be with you in the next episode. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And bye-bye. Babel boys out. <laughs>